Hey, you're listening to a brand new episode of Funny and Handsome Guys, brought to you by Centers of Attention Productions. Leave us some feedback at fhgpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at Twitter handle at fhgpodcast. Or leave us a voicemail at 847-893-0344 and enjoy being humiliated in front of our tens of listeners. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Funny and Handsome Guys. Your source for all things uh, nerdery. Uh, as always, I'm your uh, one of your three hosts, Kevin, and with me, as always, are Chris and Reggie. All right, we uh, we're, we're getting this here uh, slowly but surely. We're, we're going to be professional podcasters. Those uh, those checks for our podcasting is they're just going to come down like. Like manna from heaven. It's gonna be raining podcast checks. Yes, it's gonna be like that scene in uh, the uh, the the uh, um, what's his name Robert Redford movie with uh, Demi Moore and indecent proposal, or Demi Moore and uh, Woody Harrelson are like on the there, there's the bed of the cash and it's there, there's like rolling around in the cash. And yeah, that's that's us. Except it's gonna be podcast checks. And there's not going to be any sort of bounty to have sex with somebody. Well, we'll we'll see if we can set that up for you, Chris. Oh, thank you. I I will see what I can uh, what strings I can pull. If we can yeah. find somebody to indecent proposal me, that would be great. No promises. I'll I'll work on it. I would gladly benefit from you being in that situation any day. So I'm <laughs> I'm 100 up for that. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, we got a good show for you. We're going to talk about uh, the new free-to-download album from Kids These Days. It's a Chicago musical collective. Um, their new album, Trap House Rock, is currently available to download for free. And uh, the big news behind them, besides the fact that you know they're getting a lot of buzz just in general, is that Jeff Tweedy from Wilco is a producer on several of the tracks in the, the album. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll check that out here. And then, uh, we're also going to be talking about Thanksgiving and, uh, our top five for the week are going to be the top five pop culture items of 2012 we're most thankful for. So, um, with that though, um, how you guys doing? Pretty, pretty good. No complaints personally. All right. How are you, Kevin? I'm I'm doing great. I was I was eating bread. I love bread. Fuck yeah, bread. <laughs> bread number one. I had to like put it aside. And here, you see, I have it in my hand. Why is it in my hand already? I can hear you chewing on it, Kevin. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's just so good. I have a problem with bread. Anyway, uh, so the big news, we were just talking about it, and we figured we'd uh, try to get some recording on it. Um, Star Trek is not the the thing that we're talking about. Fail, 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 (laughs) fail. Star Wars, however, is uh, 
currently being shopped around. Uh, the big news here recently was that George Lucas has sold it to Disney, and everybody's wondering who's going to be directing it. And the theories behind it are that, uh, Mar- much like Disney did with Marvel and released several movies a year to all fit into the Marvel universe, uh, they're planning on doing the same thing with Star Wars. Um However, who are they going to cast? And uh, I was talking to Chris here because one of his top films of the year so far, um, in fact, was that your top film of the year? Uh, the movie um, Safety Safety Not Guaranteed? I, I believe it was. And my, the director of that. My top underseen, under, you know, represented movie of the year so far. Yeah, and the director of that is currently being... Uh, He's getting the most talk behind him uh, for directing it, it sounds like. Uh, so what do you think about that, Chris? Uh, well, you know, the guy's name is Colin Trevorrow, and Safety Not Guaranteed was his first film. And for me personally, to actually give a major franchise over to somebody with very little directing experience is a huge mistake. I don't believe that they would actually do it, uh, just no matter what he says about it, even though he hasn't officially said anything about it, really. Well, think of it this way, though. Look at look at how little experience... Well, I mean, he didn't have little experience, but I mean, Lucas was still pretty green himself around... You know, around the time that Episode Four was shooting, like a lot of the a lot of the crew didn't take him seriously. They they thought it was a kids movie. Um, I mean, look at, look at his, his casting woes, you know, over the years, like you have Mark Hamill who, I mean, he's, he's turned into an excellent voice actor, but like, um, like the first couple Luke Skywalker scenes aren't spectacular. Like they, they kind of make you wince a little bit, but at the same time, like you love it so much, you forgive that. And then there's the whole, um, Hayden Christensen debacle with the, uh, the master is holding me back, you know? Um, I, I kind of feel like it wouldn't, I, I don't think it's that big of a risk as it seems. Yes, Star Wars is huge, but like, look at how many people deny the prequels altogether. And these new sequels, I really think that a lot of people will kind of do the same. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know. I think we've said this before that with the, you know, you know, for us, episodes four, five, and six are where it's at because that's what we grew up with. There's a whole new generation of kids who now will like, um, who who now like episodes one, two, and three, and then now there'll be a completely new generation of kids that'll like episode seven, eight, and nine. So I, I don't think it's really I don't think it's really for us. I think we will enjoy the films, but I think they'll mean a lot more to um, to someone else, you know. So I really don't think it's that big of a gamble having having somebody like uh, Colin Colin Tevero. Is that is that how you say it? Colin Trevoro. Trevoro. Have, having him work on it. I mean, like I've heard a lot of names being thrown around and to be honest, I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I haven't really been disappointed with anything I've heard yet. You know? Um, I mean, there, there've been like jokes now and then, but I even think like, you know, like, uh, like, like Wes Anderson, you know, like I saw like a, <laughs> what if Wes Anderson directed Star Wars and, and sure. Um, you know, his, his, he has very, uh, pronounced style, but I really don't think that it would be as horrible as everybody would, would make it seem my, to me. My two uh, hopefuls here are um, 
they they've both done somewhat similar films. Um, Duncan Jones and Ryan Johnson. Duncan Jones, who did Moon uh, and Source Code, um, and Ryan Johnson, who we previously talked about on the show with uh, Looper. He's also done Brick and Brothers Bloom. Um, I think either one of these guys would fall in with the, a similar line of thinking as as you were putting out there, Reggie. Where I, I agree with you. I think that they will. They will not necessarily discount a filmmaker just because they're like up and coming and not super established. In fact, I'd be highly suspicious that you know I, I highly doubt that they'll go with somebody who is too uh, established just because that that creator is going to have to like fit in with such a huge line of mythology as long with you know they're not going to be able to make their own you know have their own voice in a film. Uh, whereas somebody who's still sort of up and coming um, may have a little bit more to gain by by running with a, such a huge mythology. Well, you know who I heard was being talked about for directing and who actually wound up pulling out of his most recent film that he was scheduled to direct because some were saying it was because he was he had an offer on the table to direct the next Star Wars. Uh, was Matthew Vaughn. I've uh, heard that as well. Yeah, and Matthew Vaughn, he directed X-Men First Class, also Kick-Ass, um, and Layer Cake, among others. He was supposed to be directing the sequel, the next X-Men film, uh, Days of Future Past, and pulled out of that, reportedly, because of Star Wars. But... Nobody's confirmed that, obviously. This is all still in the huge rumor mill stage. Agreed. Well, anyway, with that uh, little bit of news out of the way, let's jump right into our uh, album of the week. Uh, Kids These Days, Trap House Rock. Album of the Week. Okay, to start up our uh, album of the week this week, uh, we're going to go with... uh, the single, the first single from this album, um, its video has been bouncing around the interwebs a little bit, um, and that is uh, Don't Harsh My Mellow.
Okay, so that was Don't Harsh My Mellow by Kids These Days off their album Trap House Rock. You can get this album for free from their uh, from their website. Um, this song in particular has actually uh, been made into a video, and you can check it out on YouTube if uh, that's what you're into. Um, and one of the big things with this album is that Jeff Tweedy was actually a producer on it. Uh, Chris... Uh, I know you're a big fan of uh, Wilco. Um, do you think that uh, Tweedy's uh, signature is really evident on uh, this album? I know he's done some uh, producing work on uh, a few other much more established artists like uh, Mavis Staples and um, oh, who else am I thinking about? Uh, Nick Lowe, I believe. Eh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, pretty different from anything he's done in the past. Um, as far as I know, uh, maybe there's something random out there. But do you think that this benefits from him? Do you think that it is affected at all by him? Or do you think that this is a failure or a success? What What do you think? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that Jeff Tweedy's producing work has much of an effect at all on this record. Um, of course, that's just my own personal opinion. I don't know how much he actually did for this album. To me, I think that the talent, like the real, what's there is there, you know, and he didn't necessarily extract anything out of this these guys that wasn't already present within them. Uh, so I think he's, he was probably very hands off on this record and he had good reason to be. They're very talented. Uh, they're a lot of fun and they make an interest. They, they've got a really interesting sound uh, as we heard from, from the track, don't harsh my mellow. And, you know, Kevin, you neglected to mention, you said, oh, you could download it from the website, but you didn't mention the website, oh. which is kidsthesedaysband.com. Simple enough. Um, but yeah, for a free record, it's astoundingly good <laughs> uh, for having to pay nothing for it. Um, if I had to pay something for it, I probably would anyway I, i'd call it a i'd stamp a little buy sticker on this even though you don't have to buy it um it's pretty good it's entertaining it's a lot of fun it's a great mixture of like band stuff and hip-hop urban r&b etc elements to it so it's different and interesting and catchy too nice and catchy Reggie, what did you think? You were the one who uh, suggested this album for the week. Um, I was not personally too aware of them. I, I had heard their name bandied about a bit, but uh, did you uh, go into this uh, knowing this band very well, or did you uh, just hear about them and want to check them out? To be honest, um, the first time I heard of them, when Conan did his uh, his week in Chicago, um, they were musical guests one night, and I'd never heard of them, had no idea what to expect, and after their performance, my jaw 
was still on the floor. Like I, I just did not, I don't, you don't hear too many, um, bands like that. A lot of people with, with hip hop acts, they really kind of, um, they really kind of just promote the MC and, and just kind of put all their stock into that. There aren't a whole lot of hip hop acts, uh, where you, where you're familiar with, with the entire act as a band. You know, usually it's, it's MC, whatever, or, you know, you just focus on that one guy and, uh, kids these days is not like that. Like they're, they're a lot more like the roots or gym class heroes. And that to me is really cool because I don't know, it adds like more of a, a do it yourself kind of, um, feel. And I, I like that because, um, it, it's really inspiring. And then people, you know, turn around and then do it themselves. And, you know, to be a rapper, you have to have all this money. You have to have all this promotion, you know? And I mean, you still have to do that with a band, but like, I like that it's, you know, Hey, this is something I could do with my friends. And, um, that, I mean, that really turned me on to them. Um, so I heard of them when they were on Conan and, you know, I started looking into them, you know, I followed them on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. And then, hey, we have this free album. So I was like, hey, cool. Let me check this out. And then I was really glad that I did. Yeah, it's a, a really interesting album. Um, you know, they really combine a lot of their knowledge of jazz and hip hop and rock and roll um, together. I, I'm really impressed by the way that they take um, very well-known uh, hooks from other songs Um I believe Duwa has a hook from, or has a little bit of uh, uh, the Pixies um, in it. Um, Where is my mind? Then you've got a little bit of uh, Nirvana, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and another one. Um, a Man's Medley features a mix-up of, uh, or, or I think the, the term is uh, a mashup of, uh, this is a man's world and uh, summertime thrown together. Um, and I believe Bud Billiken even has a, a, a bit of a creep in it from Radiohead. Um, so it's all over the place as far as musical influences. And I wonder if any of that has something to do with uh, Tweety or if these kids are just coming in with such a a strong um, wheelhouse of, of you know knowledge already to bring with them. Um, I don't think that's Jeff Tweety at all. I think... Um... Like looking into them, I noticed that they they do that. They'll throw in, um, you know, all of a sudden the song will get kind of jazzy, and then they'll throw in a hook from a, a popular song. But I think that's part of the reason why Trap House Rock is um, is it's a free. I want to say mixtape because you know that's that's how they'd refer to it in, in hip hop. But that's why it's a free album is because like a mixtape, it uh, includes a lot of um, unlicensed samples. And because of that, I think they wouldn't be able to charge without, you know, having to pay all those artists, you know, all that money. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I had the exact same um, conclusion uh, when I was listening to it was that, you know, this is a mixtape through and through. Um, the only difference from your much more, you know, standard mixtapes is that their samples are things that they're playing themselves. They're live samples. Um now, as far as the the songs go, you know the they're they're very uh, 
pop oriented i think you know they're they're songs that i could hear on being played on the the radio very easily um which is not something that you always hear on mixtapes mixtapes are very often uh much more experimental and um things that would maybe appeal more to their base than than uh just a, a popular um audience um do you guys think that this succeeds as an album overall? Mm, I would say yes. Though, you know, I I wouldn't even consider it so much a, even like a mixtape. For me personally, uh, they're not officially calling it a mixtape, but it has the similar elements to it. Uh, but as you also mentioned, Kevin, you know, it, it doesn't have quite the experimental edge uh, that most mixtapes have. So I'm not really sure what to call it <laughs> uh, in the end. I agree with you, Chris. I, I definitely think that it, it certainly lacks a little bit of polish. But because it's it's a band and because it's a, you know, considerably large band, I think that that kind of makes it, you know, organized in that sense. That you can't just put, you know, all these all these musical artists in a room together and have them churn something out without it being kind of um, established and and well thought out uh, with plenty plenty of time beforehand. You know. Yeah, I uh, I find that this album is overall mostly a success for me. Um, there there are certainly definitely um, times in this album though where i feel like they don't really like they're, they're so all over the place in their musical influences and what they're trying to like do with every song that some of the songs don't quite um hook you in 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 a way that you kind of want them to um they don't really build to much that uh would would, would really set them apart but I would say overall, like it's it's an enjoyable album, and I was impressed by their um, very strong musicality. It's not bad by any means. That's not. <laughs> no. I don't think that's what any of us are trying to say. Like it's, I mean, definitely worth the considering it's a free album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can't really <laughs> complain about much with it. And I mean, for for a free album, it's excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, with that, I think uh, that's uh, the album of the week. I'm going to cut all this out because that's a terrible transition. <laughs> okay, well, if uh, you guys agree or disagree with us, uh, let us know. Shoot us an email. Send us uh, your thoughts on the Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so for this week, we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming up. Hopefully, I'll have this edited before the actual day of Thanksgiving. Um, don't hold your breath. You're probably going to be listening to this in a post-Thanksgiving stupor. Um, are you guys... I, I hope that everyone listens to this while they're high on tryptophan. You don't get high on tryptophan. You get low on tryptophan. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I heard that that's actually a, a myth that uh, the amount of tryptophan that you ingest during uh, Thanksgiving is actually 
not enough to uh, cause the sleepiness. The sleepiness is actually from eating all this food that is is like got all these carbohydrates, and you're basically on a carbohydrate uh, bender, and you're coming down from that. Your body's just you know processing all of that. I think it's uh, what it actually is. And you can quote me on this. Um, it is, see, there's more of a presence of sweet potatoes on the dinner table on Thanksgiving. And um, sweet potatoes are also very common in soul food. So what it, what it is, is um, the sweet potatoes, um, they, they, once they're in your system, um, usually it's referred to as negritis or the itis. You know, <laughs> black people tend to get this after they eat a lot of food and, and become lazy. Um, but, but what it is, is it actually, it's just white people getting the itis and they don't know how to deal with it. So for all these years, they're, they've blamed the turkey, they've blamed the tryptophan. It's like, no, you just have more... Sweet potatoes. Ex- yeah, I, I, I blame the sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I don't know how much sense it actually makes, but... It is interesting. <laughs> um, so what, what are you guys planning on doing for uh, the holiday? Eating. Eating. Are, are you, uh, Reggie, I know, um, are, are you going to be visiting family? Uh, are you going to be just with your family, um, your wife and daughter? Or, I mean, what do you, do you have any plans? Um, well, we, we get together with, with friends of ours and we, with their family, uh, and we, we watch football, which is weird because the Packers aren't playing the Lions this year on Thanksgiving for like the first time in, in, in a while. And I'm a little distraught about that, but whatever, I'm sure there'll be football games on that we can watch. Um, but, uh, we'll be doing that. We'll be eating. We usually like to play scattergories. And um, it's kind of funny because um, our, our friend's mom likes to cheat at categories a lot. So we have to, um, like, have Wikipedia on our phones at the ready because she on, on several occasions she has flat-out lied to us just to get double, triple points until we started, you know, fact-checking her with Google. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that, and, and then there's you know, Black Friday shopping, which is always an event. I was going to say a good thing, but then I decided at the last second to just say an event. <laughs> Smart move. Chris, you have any plans? Uh, you know, I my family does something interesting uh, on Thanksgiving every year, and that is we go out to eat. Um, we all decide that nobody's going to cook. We're not going to buy a turkey. We're not going to make any mashed potatoes. Heresy. We have somebody else do that for us. <laughs> and lest you think that it's some sort of, you know, wine and dine. Uh, well, it kind of is. But it's, I wouldn't exactly call it high society. We, we go uh, have ourselves a nice little buffet dinner at a pretty classy joint white tablecloth. But it is, after all. A buffet style. Uh, they do have carvers, though. They'll carve you your roast beef and your turkey and uh, your ham, if you wish. 
and you know you have your run of the mill whatever you want they have all sorts of food everything that's non-thanksgiving related from oysters and shrimp to you know your turkey and your mashed potatoes and your gravy so it's very interesting and very delightful given that it's all you can eat and of course we all settle into that nice food coma afterwards and nobody has to cook there are no dishes to clean up we don't have to wait for a turkey for a few hours and uh it's been pretty nice we've been doing that for as long as i can remember can i just ask you who eats roast beef on thanksgiving i'll eat roast beef any day of the year i don't (sighs) care i love roast beef i do but on thanksgiving it feels like heresy you know, when I go up to the buffet, I usually have like five or six plates through the course of a couple hours, and there comes a point where you're like, you know what, let me mix it up a little bit. I've already had two plates of turkey, so that's kind of when I go for a roast beef, maybe. Oh, I am. Um, this is uh, Lindsay and mine's uh, first Thanksgiving as a married couple, so... Um... Both so, of her. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. So does does that mean she's entitled to half of your uh, half of your turkey? <laughs> uh, what is what is mine is hers. Um, she she gets the full turkey every night. Hey. <laughs> oh my. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Um. No, we um, our families are, are live pretty close by each other, so we always try to uh, connive some way to get them to to do the holidays together. Um, it's only worked once uh, for an Easter. Um, we actually did Easter at our apartment uh, earlier this year with uh, my mom and siblings and her parents, and uh, it went really well. I made the uh, the ham, and uh, it was going really well until I set the ham on fire. Um, so that one was not so good. Too much um, glaze. Uh, I, I was cooking it with bourbon. Oh, you know, you know how I love bourbon and, uh, the bourbon caught on fire. So it was, it was a little crispy, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, but instead Molotov ham tail. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, uh, actually just found out that, um, we may be having, Two Thanksgivings, like, uh, two days in a row, uh, Lindsay's sister may not be making it until the next day, and so they want to have Thanksgiving on Friday instead of on Thursday. Um, and uh, so so that frees up Thursday for us to do stuff with my family. Um, but my family doesn't really do anything with Thanksgiving anymore. We uh, we have some family friends that will go and visit, and um, it's, it's kind of awkward because I don't really know them at all. Um, they're friends of my mom's that she met while my little brother was in football. So we go over there and I sit awkwardly with these people I barely know and try to catch up with them and haven't talked to most of them since the Thanksgiving before, you know, the year earlier. And uh, so it's going to be interesting because usually the, the last couple of years it's been such that I've been able to either get out of it and be like, well, I got to go work or uh, – you know, I, I well, I, I got to go, and we're having Thanksgiving over at Lindsay's, so I'm going to go over there. 
but this year um, I, I have to be there the entire time, and uh, I like the people, but I also like having that exit. So it's, and the worst part of it is that every year we have uh, they they do a football game out in the cold. Oh. And um, which would be so bad. I'm I'm not against playing football, but it's it's all the adults against all the kids, and all the kids are you know, 17 years old or so, younger. And then all the adults are all the parents. And I inevitably get put on the kids' team. So I'm here, and I'm like, I am uh, almost 30, and uh, I'm playing with a bunch of 17-year-old boys. And I cannot keep up with them. I, it's, it's, it's unfair and uh, unpleasant. So <laughs> that's, I, that's why you got to play quarterback. Y- y- sure, sure. They... I don't think the kids uh, would let me. There's there's too many of them compared to the one of me. Um, but anyway, well, uh, with Thanksgiving, um, we thought that this uh, for our top five for the Thanksgiving for our Thanksgiving show this year, uh, we would do our top five pop culture things we're most thankful for uh, of 2012. Um, so, without further ado, our top five. Top five, top five, top five, oh yeah. Okay, so Reggie, uh, your top five. What is your number uh, five, top five uh, pop culture things you're most thankful for of 2012? Uh, well, it's something we actually just talked about not too long ago. Um, my number five thing that I'm most thankful for pop culture wise from 2012 would be Wreck-It Ralph. Um, it's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. I think it was, um, I, I think Disney definitely stepped up their game as far as, uh, CG animated movies are concerned that, that don't involve Pixar. And in a sense, like they showed that they can really compete with themselves. Um, I know they did thank the, um, the Pixar story trust in the credits. So, uh, you, you know, they weren't without help from Pixar. Um, but I mean, if, if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor, check it out. It's amazing. And, um, I really hope that it resonates with people because I, I, I really like the characters and I'd really like to, um, I don't know, really hope that their story continues on in some form, whether it's another movie or if there's a, you know, regular rough cartoon show, that would be pretty cool. So, yeah, that's my number five. Excellent. Chris, what is your number five? Uh, my number five is the resurgence of folk into the popular music music sphere, uh, otherwise known as the decline of electronic dance music. Sort of. Let, let me explain my point a little more fully. Um... You know, lately, and by lately I mean the last couple years, there's been this huge buildup in the electronic dance music sphere. Lots of EDM artists, you know, your Skrillex, your Deadmau5, your whoever else, uh, gaining in popularity. You know, there are some songs on the radio. Lots of stuff that's electronica-based. What's great for me right now is to hear guitars working their way back in, be them acoustic guitars, be them via folk artists, but it is great to hear songs from, you know, bands like 
Mumford and Sons, the Lumineers, uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. They're not exactly the best bands in the world, but I think it's a small step in the right direction for popular music in general, for people adapting their tastes. Um, so I'm grateful that those sorts of artists have been able to make breakthroughs into mainstream culture and are heard on top 40 stations now alongside, you know, your Keshes and your Justin Bieber's uh, to be able to hear actual bands, actual musicians playing instruments is fantastic. So I, that's what I am very thankful for, at least uh, this year so far. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I've actually noticed that, uh, that the EDM slash electro rock, you know, craze was sort of slowing down a little bit. Um, so for my number five, uh, I'm, I'm going with a service. It's actually, uh, my number five is Kickstarter. Um, Kickstarter has been around for a couple years now, but it seems like in the past year, it's just really, um, taken off a bit. And, uh, you, you've just seen a bunch of bigger and, and better things coming from it. Um, you know, from from video games to vil- films to art projects to books, um, all sorts of things have been coming out of it. Uh, I've backed several things this year. I've never backed anything before this year, um, and so it just seems to be getting better and better. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I feel like it's going to reach its inevitable, you know, uh, pinnacle at some point, and then just, you know fall fall quickly uh but right now it's it's pumping out some really excellent uh crowdsourced um projects out there i really don't think that it's it's uh, i don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that declines i think it's going to be something more like you know like your ebay or craigslist i think it's going to be more like a staple because i mean you got you know you have like indiegogo which is you pretty similar um, and I mean, like, it's how a lot of things are coming up. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that I would never have heard of if it wasn't for sites like Kickstarter, you know? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, my my fear that it's going to inevitably decline uh, is more from the fact that there's been a few uh, high-profile um, failures of Kickstarter in, in recent months. And uh, some people are wondering if... Um, you know some of the the basic ways that it's it's set up um, with with things that are, are kickstarted, and then the people who back them never actually see anything from them, um, even though they they've put in their money. Um, if that's going to sour people away from it, or if it's going to if they're going to be able to constantly evolve and address these sort of uh, issues, um, and so far they've actually been really good about it, and in fact. Um, due to those high-profile things, they have made a few changes. Um, you know, the biggest thing about it is it's not really supposed to be a store. It's just supposed to be, you know, a project-backing uh, uh, site. Um, but people seem to want to use it more for uh, for a store than uh, anything else. Yeah, one of, one of the things that I found interesting about Kickstarter was... 
one of the biggest successes that I've heard of in recent memory was Amanda Palmer, who basically solicited for people to contribute so she could record her next solo record, and which she did, and she actually raised over a million dollars. She she only asked for like you know something like ten or twenty grand, and she raised over a million dollars, and. She was so grateful and has just sort of been trying to give back to her fans in whatever way she can to thank them for being so supportive of her and her career. And, you know, her record that she's just recently put out is like basically a double album. And there's so many bonus songs and everything that come along with it. And everybody that contributed obviously gets it for free. And she's also been giving all sorts of other nice little goodies, signed stuff and whatever else to try and help support, you know, the people that supported her. But she's also drawn some fire recently for going out on tour and basically saying that she was going to perform with all volunteer musicians. Basically, when she comes to your town, you could volunteer to be in her band. And she wasn't going to pay you anything except hugs. Which, given that she raised a million dollars, and it did not cost that much to record the album, you would think that she'd be able to pay people if they played with her in her band. But uh, she drew a lot of fire for that. A lot of people were angry with her because she wasn't going to pay anyone. And then she decided that she would pay people because there was too much controversy for her not paying them. Yeah, that's exactly the sort of controversy that I'm, I'm talking about. It's, uh, you know... Is that going to like eventually push people away or not? I, I don't know. I'm hoping not because there's some fantastic things that are coming out of here. Um, anyway, so for your number four, uh, Reggie, what is your number four? Um, my number four isn't, I mean, certainly isn't anything new, but uh, 2012 has certainly given me more reasons to be more thankful. And... My number four thing that I'm thankful for, pop culture-wise, 2012, would be Joss Whedon. Um, For a multitude of reasons, uh, the top of that list being the Avengers. um, One of the best times I had at the movie, movies, I should say, um, my entire life. Uh, Then there was... The amazingness that was Cabin in the Woods, and um, I, there are more things that are being worked on now. Um, not going to get into it because I will sit here blab, uh, blabbing like an idiot. It's not the plan. Um, just that I love that man. I continue to love that man. He shows Hollywood, I think, how it needs to be done and should be done. And um, I. Wish him continued success, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to the projects he has coming out in the future. So, Joss Whedon. Excellent choice. Yes, we, we may be hearing more about him in the future, uh, hint, hint. Um, Chris, what's your number four? Uh, well, it's the future already, so let's, let's just talk a little bit about this. Uh, in a sense... But my my number four is a little bit different than Reggie's. Mine is the resurgence of hard science fiction uh, to cinemas. That is to say, I think that science fiction, hard science fiction at least, has been on the downslope 
the last several years, if not decade, there hasn't been much made in terms of really like deep, dark science fiction films. And this year, you know, you had your Prometheus, you had your Looper, you had your Cabin in the Woods, which I consider to be science fiction. The Avengers is, I mean, you've got aliens, come on. That's got to be some sort of science fiction element to it. They're, granted, you know, the Avengers is more blockbustery, whatever. But the point being, uh, you know, with films, the last few years it's been sort of building up to this. You know, you have your moon and your source codes. You mentioned Duncan Jones earlier, Kevin. Uh, you know, just another sign of, of things on the way. And even a movie like Safety Not Guaranteed, which has time travel elements to it, is rooted in science fiction in some respects. So I feel like science fiction has taken a turn for the better in the last year. And it's something that I'm very, very happy about and I'm very thankful for. Excellent choice. Uh, and my number four will sort of tie in with that. Um, my number four is Mass Effect, uh, the series in general. But Mass Effect 3 came out this uh, this year. Um, I've been a huge fan of the Mass Effect series. Um, and I love it mainly because it is sci-fi with a, a capital s and f um you know that that uh i just i'm I'm drawn to and i've been drawn to throughout my entire life and uh it's one of the few games that is a huge blockbuster game that really tries to do some you know something with with uh hard science fiction um elements um, is it a perfect game? No. Is it a perfect wrap-up of a series? No. But it's about as close as you could possibly hope to achieve. And um, for that reason, I love it. And uh, I'll probably play it several times yet in the future. Um, so Mass Effect, that's num- my number four. Reggie, what's your number three? Uh, my number three pick, um, something. Well, I kind of wanted to review uh, the the first of these albums, but I think the idea kind of came and went, and then the pow, here comes the second one. Um, but the third thing, I'd say things, because it's actually plural, uh, pop culture was that I am thankful for in 2012 would be Green Day's Uno and Dos albums. Um, I think. Uh, if I compare them to anything else in their discography, I'd say it's it's probably a lot more like Insomniac, where um, they had a lot to prove. I mean, here you have American Idiot, which is probably their highest profile, most successful album, and then they follow it up um, with uh, 21st Century Breakdown, which eh, critically and, and you know arguably musically not their best. So they they had a lot to prove that they still were the band that you know, could headline all these tours and was worthy of a Broadway musical. And, um, so, well, there's, there's still Trey, which is going to come out, um, pretty early next year, but these two albums so far, it's, I don't want to say it's a new green day, but it's, I, to me, it kind of seems like they took all the fucks that they gave and just completely threw them out the window. It is, I think it is them at their very core. Um, a lot of the songs are very enjoyable. Um, and it reminds me a lot of just the, uh, 
just the spirit that they had back when I was in middle school listening to these. You, nothing sounded like them before, and I, I kind of feel like they're revisiting that. They're saying, you know, Green Day isn't this corporate entity. We'll do what we want to do, and we'll do it how we want to do it. And so far, Uno and Dos have done a great job of doing that, and I'm still looking forward to Trey. I think it's going to be awesome. So, I'm thankful for it just because we got uh, Billy uh, Armstrong's uh, his his uh, uh, excellent um, breakdown at the Much Music Awards, which actually uh, engendered a lot more respect for him than I've had in a while. Because um, he finally was like doing something somewhat punk and. I mean, I, I think that one of the biggest criticisms that people could have of Green Day right now is that they take on the mantle of being a punk band without really doing much that is in any way punk. Um, but I've heard pretty good things about these albums. I actually haven't heard too much beyond what's on the radio uh, myself, so I'll have to check them out. Yeah, they're, they're reasonably good, uh, though I would say, Kevin, in regards to, you know, they're Billy Joe Armstrong freak out at the Much Music Awards. Eh, that was kind of the reason he wound up in rehab. Yeah, yeah, it happens. You know, who's a, who's a punk rocker without being some, in rehab for a little bit? You know, I suppose that's true. So, um, Chris, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is Homeland. Homeland, the television show on Showtime. It is my favorite show on television, and I think that everybody should be watching it if they're not already, because not only, you know, you got your powerhouse cast, Claire Danes and Damian Lewis just nail it consistently every single episode, some great supporting work from Mandy Patinkin, and I... I can't say enough good things about this show. It is so intense every week, so emotional, so just out and out awesome. And it feels very real and true to life in spite of the fact that there are a few times where you kind of go, oh, you know what, this is going a little bit off the rails. But that aside, it won the Emmy for Best Drama Claire Danes, Damian Lewis won Best Actor and Actress at the Emmys. It deserves every award that it gets. And I'm so thankful that the show continues to be of such a high quality. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the last few episodes of this season. It's another one that I've been wanting to catch up with. Uh, I have not seen the first season and it's, it's, just been a matter of not having the time but this this series is supposed to be fantastic and i'm i'm really looking forward to catching up to it catching up with it uh over the winter oh yeah uh my number three uh and this is where i'm gonna do a little bit of uh copying of your guys's uh totally unintentional i promise um but my number three is joss whedon as well um i thought that the Avengers was fantastic. Cabin in the Woods was fantastic. I'm looking forward to S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm looking forward to 
anything this guy does, um, and I've been looking forward to anything this guy does uh, for quite a while. Um, I was not a Buffy fan, but although I did love the movie, um, never got really into the the TV show or Angel for that matter. Um, but I did love Firefly and. The Avengers just solidified uh, solidified it for me. Um, this man can do no wrong for me. Um, I will definitely have a ticket for anything the guy has, and that includes his upcoming um, "Much Ado About Nothing" um, ad- adaptation that he's going to be uh, releasing here shortly. So, uh, Reggie, what is your number two? My number two? And my list open, my iPad keeps closing. Um, some, another thing that I know I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, but I was actually a really big fan of the Spider-Man miniseries. Um, I thought that it was uh, great to take this, uh, you know, the established Peter Parker character and throw him into the Ultimate Universe um, where he is, of course, dead. <laughs> and um, that that certainly gave the writers um, a lot to play with. And, um, again, if you guys haven't checked it out, I would definitely recommend doing so. Um, there's a lot of laugh-out-loud moments. Uh, that's, that's why I was always a fan of uh, Spider-Man comics, Spider-Man comics, I should say, when I was younger, is just because... Um, Peter Parker says a lot of ridiculous things at inappropriate times, and that's always really funny to me. But Spider-Man, I'm not sure if it's out on trade paperback tra- in trade paperback form yet, um, but I'm sure the individual issues are out there. Um, again, it's cool. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Chris, what's your number uh, number two? My number two is something very personal to me. It is my class of 2012. Uh, now, I've mentioned this on the show a couple times before, but on my site, Fahrenheit.com, plug, 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 um, <laughs> I have a class of 2012. It was 10 artists that I recommend everybody should watch uh, this this year. Those artists included band known as Blondes, uh, also had Frank Ocean on it, Charlie XCX, Grimes, Lana Del Rey, Creation, ASAP Rocky, Azalea Banks, Nicholas Jar, and Purity Ring. Ten artists, all of them great in their own individual ways, uh, some more than others, uh, most certainly. Frank Ocean Definitely has one of, if not the album of the year with Channel Orange. Um, Grimes had a great, great record as well. ASAP Rocky was supposed to have an album out this year, as was Azalea Banks. Both have been delayed until early 2013, which sucks because it would have made them that much more powerhouses in 2012, as I told everyone to watch them. Uh, But Purity Ring had a great record. Nicholas Jar had a great record last year and released an EP uh, earlier this year that via a revolutionary box. You had to buy a box, and the music was contained within this box. You could only listen to it if you plugged a headphone jack into the box 
and press the play button on the box. That was the only way you could hear it, which I thought was really cool. And, of course, somebody found a way to get that music off the box and into MP3 form, which that's kind of how I listen to it. But still, interesting creative stuff. Creation, uh, not so much a great artist, but entertaining, to say the very least. Same goes with Lana Del Rey. So lots of good stuff in there. If you haven't checked out my class of 2012... Uh, Fahrenheit.com, just search Class of 2012. Why not? I'm thankful for all those artists because they've all been great this year. That's great. Um, yeah, you've got, you had quite the excellent selection of the the artists there, and um, I think you really haven't had a, a bum choice amongst them. Um, some people might uh, judge Lana Del Rey a little bit harsher than others, um, and I think that's safe to say. You know, you're judging both the person as well as the music in that case. Um, yes. But uh, in any case, um, so my number two is going to be part two of me uh, unintentionally copying you guys. Um, my number two is Looper slash. Resurgent hard sci-fi. Um, Chris, like you, I uh, and this this ties into uh, my number four as well. Mass Effect. Um, you know, this this has been a fantastic year for hard sci-fi, with Prometheus being maybe a better idea than a movie. Like, I really like the movie, but I have some serious issues with it. Uh, especially coming from loving Alien so much, it's it's a very different contextualization of the story, and uh, I loved what they did with it. But um, the movie itself had some serious issues. Uh, Looper, on the other hand, uh, is probably one of my top movies of the year, if not my top movie of the year so far. Um, I've, I've loved it, uh, and it's. You know, in addition to that, I've also been reading a lot of Lightspeed Magazine. It's a sci-fi uh, literary magazine. Uh, you should definitely check that out if you get a chance. It's lightspeedmagazine.com. Um, I believe you can subscribe to it on your Kindle if you'd like. Um, but otherwise, you can go and you can check out some of the stories uh, on their website as well. Um but yeah, hard sci-fi, uh, as well as the movie Looper, that's my number two for the year. And Reggie, let's uh, let's count it down here. What's your number one? Um, my number one would be the entity that is Sony PlayStation. Um, I spend a lot of time on that thing. It is probably the crux of our entertainment center. We stream our Netflix through it. Um, there's tons of great games. Uh, also, there's the, the PlayStation Vita, the handheld console, which is... I mean, I, I didn't want one at first, but then I got one and I was like, man, this thing is awesome. Um, it has its own dedicated YouTube player. Um, the screen on it is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, they pretty much have my soul at this point. I mean, this next system, I've heard a lot of stuff, bad stuff about it, but I mean, it's not out yet. And 
you know, that was all rumors. There, there hasn't been any official press releases, no name, no nothing. So for the time being, I am very content as someone who owns a PS3 slash Vita. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying this is a diss to Xbox. I just don't have one. If I had an Xbox, it'd probably be on the list too, but whatever. Um, but I'd say the thing that, uh, that I'm most thankful for pop culture wise this year would, would be my PlayStation three slash my Vita. Excellent. That's a interesting choice. Um, I've heard fantastic things about the, the console, uh, and yet I don't think it's like caught on quite as much as people thought it would. Um, not to say it's been a, a failure by any means, but um, it's no Nintendo powerhouse. Um, well, <laughs> Nintendo's doing a lot lately that is really pissing me off, so I kind of feel like Nintendo is kind of on their way down. Yes. Here, Here's my thoughts. Like, you know, I love the PS3. I own a PS3, but, like, as far as Nintendo goes, I do think that Nintendo is not necessarily great at making consoles they're great at making games it's interesting uh i mean i think the big thing that people look for with uh nintendo is that they're constantly innovating with their consoles um you know the nintendo 64 had uh a revolutionary controller that people just thought was not going to work at all. And it, it actually turned out, I, I really like that controller. Um, and it's been, if not imitated, it's evolved along the way, um, into some of the controllers that we currently have. Uh, you can't quite see the exact same style, but it's the, the dual, uh, sticks, um, is, is a hugely, uh, influential style along with the uh the trigger as well um and then you've got the wii which has the motion control and everybody tried to uh copy the the motion control um and now you've got the uh the dual screen setup with the wii u coming out so it's going to be interesting to see if that no it's not a dual screen it's just it's like a tablet controller well what i'm saying is that the the setup is basically a dual oh like you got the screen on the screen uh your tv and then you got your tablet yeah okay exactly i get that so you've got the tablet and then you've got your tv and you can you know place shift so you can play your game on the tablet alone um for some of the games and some of the games you're going to have like additional things you're going to do on the tablet um in addition to what's on the screen on your television uh, so there's some interesting thoughts behind it. Whether or not it succeeds is another thing entirely. Um, I I personally have not felt too compelled to get a uh, Nintendo console uh, since the 64. So, um, although that being said, I I do have a Wii because I married into one. So, but uh, Chris, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is another thing that's that's relatively personal to me, um, and I guess it is my list. So there you go. Um, and before before I get into it, it, it's similar in theme, but it's not quite the same as a couple quick honorable mentions I want to give to Daniel Day Lewis's Lincoln, uh, and also to Paul Thomas Anderson. 
and the master uh, for being two very interesting things, uh, interesting and groundbreaking in different way things that I'm very thankful for. But in that same sort of thematic vein, uh, my number one is screener season, specifically DVD screener season. I am privileged enough to be a member of the Writers Guild of America, and that enables me during the awards season to get DVDs of films sent to me via mail. And so I don't necessarily have to go out to see a movie like Lincoln or a movie like The Master if it shows up in my mailbox, a DVD copy of it. So I am very privileged and feel very thankful that I am given access to these films while they're still in theaters and that I'm able to see things that I might not normally otherwise go out and see in the theaters for free. And, you know, to be able to have that is just something that I, I'd love. (laughs) I love it. And, uh, I feel very privileged to have it. So I am, uh, very, very jealous of you because that's a pretty fantastic, uh, opportunity. Yeah, so so far it's been a little bit quiet for me this screener season, but I, it picks up in December. Well, if you're a uh, publicist or PR agent trying to get the word out on your movie, send us your movies. Uh, email us for details on how to do that, and uh, we'll watch and talk about your movies on here. We have no shame. So, even if it's a piece of crap. Yep. We'll be we'll be honest about it though. We're not going to be giving out the reviews like. Little Susie on the corner giving out hand jobs. <laughs> I wonder how many filmmakers like heard that just now and were like, "Hey, my movie's a piece of crap. Maybe these guys will watch it." Well, like I said, we're no Little Susie. So, uh, but yeah, we'll watch it, even if it's a piece of crap. So, um, well, and with that, uh, I think. Uh, you know, I'll close it up here. Uh, my number one is uh, pretty simple. Um, it's just comic books and everything that comic books has been tied into this year. You've got three of the biggest movies of the year. Um, you've got uh, uh, Avengers, Batman The Dark Knight Rises, and Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man coming out. Um, you've got Walking Dead on TV. You've got countless other adaptations out there, um, and those are just the non-comic book, comic book-derived properties right now. Um, the comic book, uh, uh, you know, the publishing side of comic books is exciting in and of itself. You've got uh, the Avengers versus X-Men crossover, which, while has been a little stupid uh, as far as its, its writing has gone, um, it's been pretty action-packed, and, you know... It's not boring, that's for sure. Um, but there's been all sorts of other things that have been coming out. The, the current Batman uh, comic book is fantastic. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn's saga, or saga, rather, um, is is fantastic. Brian K. Vaughn can't really do uh, any wrong for me. Um, there was even a really fantastic uh, Aquaman uh 
series here uh, earlier this year. Um, you know, I'm, it's it's just been pretty excellent uh, all over. And then you've got the uh, some interesting, if not um, great, uh, you know, efforts um, that have come from the uh, New Fifty Two reboot, um, the DC reboot that's uh, taken all the different DC universe characters and press the restart button on them. Um, and that's been going since I believe earlier this year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Reggie. Uh, new 52. See, I'm not, uh, I, I think it started in February. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, Oh, they started uh, September 20, uh, 2011. So it, it started l- end of last year and um, have started to come into this year. Um, I guess it's, it's really been this year where they've sort of um, started to get their, their foothold uh, across the board. Um, in any case, it's a really exciting time to be a uh, comic book fan. Um, Lindsay uh, has been getting into comic books. Uh, she's been a big fan of Battle Pug. Um, and I know I've mentioned this on here before, but it is a uh, Mike Norton comic book web series um, that released a hardcover uh, collection here a couple months back that's really excellent. I highly recommend. And we've both been really enjoying The Walking Dead. I actually think that this season is probably the best season so far and has been really making up for the last for last season, which I had some serious issues with. But this season has been fixing a lot of my issues with it. So I, I agree with you on that. Um, it got kind of weird this past episode, though, <laughs> with the uh, phone call. Don't, 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 don't say anything. Don't say anything to me. Sure I, haven't seen this, I haven't seen this last episode, so... This last episode notwithstanding, it may, like, remove everything that uh, I just currently said. It may turn out to be totally, you know, off the rails. Uh, but this last episode notwithstanding, it's been a pretty excellent season so far. And, and for the record, Reggie, I didn't think that it was that off the rails. Well, I mean, knowing the, the, the com- phone phone call portion. Well, I think we should have a Walking Dead-themed show in any case. As for everyone else, let us know what you think. Tweet us at FHGpodcast or email FHGpodcast at gmail.com. Friend us on Facebook or, hey, we have a phone line, too. Chris, what is that phone number? 847-893-0344. Chris coming through in the clutch. Look at that. Thank you. So give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and... uh, We'll play it on here because we don't get very many voicemails. So, yeah. So, with that, uh, we'll see you guys all next week. Um, Thanks for listening. Stay funny and stay handsome. Sweet potatoes.